Operations is so much about pleasure because we're not AI robots operating our business. We're humans who are complex, emotional, multifaceted beings that run and live the way they do. So operations should be really, really humanized. So that's why like putting people first is like my first pillar of my orgasmic operations framework, because without people, there would be no humanity and it just wouldn't make sense. Welcome to Begin As You Mean To Go On. If you're a woman of color with a mission-driven service-based business and you want to increase your income and your impact without burning out in the process, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Karanda Adair, recovering WordPress developer, content marketing coach, and CEO of Carvel Digital. I've survived being a black woman in the tech industry, getting fired for culture fit, and gone on to build a thriving business. I want to show you how to work hard once to create systems in your business that continue to work for you as you grow so that you can not just survive, but thrive and live your best life. Let's get it going. Hey friends, welcome back to Begin As You Mean To Go On. So happy to have you here and so excited to bring you this conversation with Veronica Jans, the CEO of Business Laid Bear. Veronica is an operations specialist, and she basically takes business owners and helps assess their business to figure out where are things going awry, how can we smooth things out, how can we make operations orgasmic in your business. And um, so I'm really excited to bring you this conversation. There's so many gems in there. If you're a business owner who is trying to grow and scale, and you're finding that Either, you know, your marketing is getting out of whack or you're not able to deliver at the scale that you'd like, then I want you to really pay attention and take notes and have so much fun because Veronica is openly kinky and she weaves kink all through her business and she is a a fabulous case study in letting your freak flag fly and really bringing your whole self to your business. And we talk about that too in this conversation. So please enjoy. And of course, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, um, go ahead and listen to this entire interview. And then at the end, if you find it valuable, I'm going to invite you to subscribe and to go ahead and leave a five-star rating and review to help us get the word out to other businesses. So please enjoy and I'll see you on the flip side. All right. Hey, Veronica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I am very excited to nerd out with you about systems today, but before we do that, please uh, introduce yourself, tell folks who you are and what intersectional identities you hold in the world and what what the work is that you do. Oh, wow. This will be fun. So business-wise, I am the CEO of Business Late Bear. We are an operations agency that helps CEOs design well-lubricated and really orgasmic operations so that their next level of business is pleasurable, productive, and ultimately profitable because who wants to run an expensive hobby? And in terms of like identity, it's like, I'm just like kinky and sex positive and it's always been who I have been. And I didn't realize it when I was younger because, you know, you're not supposed to talk about sex and sex education was abstinence growing up, especially being from an Asian family. So being Chinese, that was really difficult. So it's like who I am. I'm like a CEO. I'm a feminist and I'm kinky, which means that I also live a 24 seven dominant submissive relationship with my partner. So I'm all of those things. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's a lot. That's like a melting pot of stuff. I love it. And I I often refer people to your brand really as like a case study of 
when I say let your freak flag fly, <laughs> like, and you will be successful, like you will get the right people coming to you and you will repel the wrong people. Like I, I will often point to you and say like, like this, <laughs> do it like this. Um, and I know that was a, that's been a journey for you. So do you want to talk about you know, how you came into sort of being the systems queen and also how you came to the, to the place of like really incorporating kink into your business and sort of weaving your whole self into your business. So this sounds like a story of me in like a nutshell, but like a coconut shell. So it's going to be like <laughs> a lot, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know, but I've been kinky since I was four. How do we know this? Well, when I was like in my early 20s, I started doing like a, how did Veronica become this way kind of person? And so I realized that Aladdin made me realize I was really kinky. So like in the scene where Jasmine turns red because she's like captured by Jafar, shackled and like thrown in an hourglass, all that good stuff. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want, I want a lot more of this. <laughs> and then, oh, that's awesome. I know. Thanks, Disney, for helping me realize that I was kinky. (laughs) (laughs) And then I watched like movies like Secretary and I was like, oh, okay, I want more of this. Like with Maggie Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal and like James Spader. And so that was a great movie. And then because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, not only do I read and watch the books and movies, but I also read fan fiction. And so I read this fan fiction about Hermione exploring her submissive side, but being really, really powerful and dominant and alpha and as smart as she is or was. And so I'm like, oh, that's me because submissiveness doesn't necessarily mean like you're subservient. So it was a great like enlightenment and also moments of procrastination because I was also like in college. So yeah, I read more fanfic than I did textbooks, I think. Oops. (laughs) So I realized that kink was something that I wanted to explore for a really long time for whatever reason. It's like you just have this like itch you need to scratch and like no matter how much you try to like stuff it away, it always comes back because junior year in college, I took feminist studies 101 and I was so confused. I'm like, yeah, I resonate with all these like feminist readings. But at the same time, it's like, I also want to like kneel in front of somebody. And it's just like, it was a very, very confusing moment. (laughs) And I was like, everything that my four like sisters and brothers have done to give me the opportunities and freedoms I have today cannot be like thrown away. And so it's like, it took me a long time to reconcile that I am actually a feminist because I didn't know if I was or not. And to me, the definition of feminism is like the right to choose your own path, the freedom to choose your own path. And so I'm like, I choose to be submissive. I choose to be kinky. I choose to be kick-ass and I choose to be a seven plus figure business CEO. So that's how like my identities all like melted together because I realized that being kinky was not an or statement. You're not kinky or this. I'm like, I'm kinky and all this good stuff. So that is how I started just, yeah, mixing my life together in this way, because this is who I am outside of the business realm. Like I'm the one throwing out puns and kinky puns that only most, mostly I laugh at. So when my clients (laughs) laugh, I think they just do it to like, be nice. I think. (laughs) And it was just like, there's nothing wrong with being kinky. Right. So it's like, 
if I was to hide that side of me, it's almost like I was walking with one eye open and closing the other eye, even though that other eye was like fully functional. And so mm-hmm. like, this is also how I'm feeling in business too. But yet back in like 2015, not a lot of people were like just being open about who they were. So I was like, Hey guys, so here's a new profile picture of me on Facebook. I'm like completely naked and you see me like just like in front of my computer and hi, I'm also like sex positive and kinky. And so that's how the journey began. Like it wasn't some like fanfare of me coming out. It was just like profile picture and then maybe hero photo on my website. So it was like a little thing at a time because I was super insecure because I was taught to never like offend anybody. Like if I wanted to be good at business, I had to be really, really moderate and central because the more you offend people, the less money you'll make, et cetera, et cetera. Which now I'm like, I want to be as polarizing as possible. Like, especially if Mm -hmm. you can't use the word orgasm outside of business, or if you don't let me do that and you think that's weird or that's incorrect, I respect your opinion. Absolutely. But that means that we're not for each other. Like I want people to who and they say this in Messenger because, you know, we're very virtual. They're like, I'm running at you with like both tits bouncing and because I'm <laughs> so excited to meet you. And so it's like you want to draw those people to you and repel people who are not meant to be with you away. And they're not exactly. wrong. It's just it's just not. Well, I want to highlight I want to highlight something you said about you know, walking, walking around with one eye closed, right? We can't do our best work if we're busy suppressing ourselves. Like I that's love that. like, go work in corporate. If that's how you want to, you know, if you want to, if you want to suppress yourself, like we can do that working for other people and working for monolith corporations. Like why get into business if you're still going to do that? Like you might as well be your whole self. So yeah, I, I love that so much. It's like, if you can't run a business that like makes you ecstatic and giddy and just full of joy every day, then something's got to give because why go into business otherwise where you pour blood, sweat, and like literal tears into it? I do. (laughs) Literal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, so I want to talk about, I want to pivot and talk about systems because that's what you do. So just, um, just so we're super clear, tell everyone like, what is your business model? What is it that you do for people around systems? Yeah. So I realized that I am not an e-course creator. I am not a membership site creator. It doesn't, I took the strengths assessment and my number one skill or strength is relator, which means that I can cultivate and build and I need this like deep and meaningful relationships with people and I can build it rather quickly. And so when I was starting out my business, I was like, oh yeah, of course, e-course, just build it once, launch it. And I'll make $400,000 on a launch because, you know, these gurus said so. Sound Mm. familiar? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so it's like, I tried that and they're like, oh yeah, you should be able to bring like a thousand people onto your email list like every month. I'm like, I got like eight this month because for me, (laughs) it's quality over quantity. And so Mm -hmm. right now I am solely service-based. Like I only work one-on-one with clients. I actually only have one offer and it shows up in different ways for clients, but I don't deviate. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be so cool to have an implementation weekend where like you get all your systems done in a weekend. And like, if you have like problems, instead of raising your hand, like you raise a card with your safe word on it for the weekend. Like I've thought about all of this, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not going to happen yet because COVID. And also because I also believe in doing 
fewer things, but doing those fewer things exceptionally well, because otherwise shiny object syndrome takes us nowhere. So what I do with clients is I look at what's wrong with their business because they come to me. Unfortunately, clients come to me because they feel something is wrong. So I talk with them in that frame, but then we frame it into, yeah, but look, you're coming here and because you want to know what can be possible for you. So let's reframe it and see how we can build a business that's orgasmic through operations. And so the first thing they do, everybody goes through my business backend assessment. So operations to me are your business backend. And that's why I use the word assessment because there's like ASS and it's like butt <laughs> puns everywhere, butt references everywhere. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Like I literally have my hand up people's business backends at any given time, like multiple times a day, because this is what we do. So it's like, this is my life and I don't hate it whatsoever. And the reason why I do this assessment is because I never want to make an assumption. Like, sure, you can come to me and tell me all your issues, but until I really go into your business backend and hearing you talk about your goals or what's chafing and what sucks, it's like, I can't give you a recommendation as to what you need because Otherwise, it will be like a cookie cutter model. And to me, cookie mm-hmm. cutters for me in my business should be left in the kitchen. Yeah. So you get your hands in there and you assess <laughs> what's going on. Right? And then we, we give them an implementation roadmap. It's like a literally like a prioritized roadmap of what you need to address and implement first. And there's like a logical reason why we prioritize it that way. And then they either hire us to do it or they can do it themselves. Either way, they get the plan so that I uh, don't feel like, like I'm happy giving people the plan because I never want to hoard information. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can do it yourself or we can do it. What are some of the typical kinds of things that you find wrong with businesses? And what's an example of some high priority things that you have you know, told people like, you really should start here and do this. Like if people are listening and they're like, okay, systems, yeah, I know. And and they're overwhelmed with where to start. Like how would they go about even figuring out, you know, what are some of the yeah. common things? So systems to me are like in everything. So don't forget when I say this, but I believe that everything in your business can be and should be systematized. However, if that's kind of just like grabbing a whole handful of glitter and like tossing it randomly. So like if you're creating procedures and stuff to just create them with no strategy, that doesn't work either because everything can be systematized. So I'm always asking clients, like what's important to you? Like if I was to meet with you for coffee, because we work together in the next six, in the next six months, like what are we celebrating? Like, what are you so excited to tell me as a result of working together? And when they tell me those things, time with my family, I can actually breathe. I can look away from my business without fearing that I, my team is going to like screw things up and I have to like go redo their work. It's like when you actually hear what's important to them, that's how I know what to focus on when I go in and look at their back end. Okay. So I want to go back to, cause I think this is a super common thing with entrepreneurs. They, they feel like they need to hire people, right? They yes, know they I need was help. Go there. And at first, so they know they need help in this. So they're like, okay, I need to get a VA because you know, whatever you said, like, that's the first person you should hire. What, <laughs> tell us why that's fraught with peril <laughs> and yes. maybe what we should do instead. 
So it's not fair to set people up for failure, right? You want to set your people up for success. And if you have no systems or process, and you may have them, it's all in your head, but intention's good and all, but if it's all in your head, that doesn't mean shit. So you have to document it in a way. And if you don't have any systems or processes or some sort of structure created in your business, you are doing that person you bring on into service and you're setting them up for failure and you're bringing them into your chaos. So they might not be able to do their job well in the first place. So it's the hot thing to hire because everyone says you can hire a VA, a virtual assistant, some sort of assistant to like offload some things off of you, which is great. But if you don't have a clear way to delegate work to them in a way that they can do good work and also to your standards, and then you can trust them to do it and look away to actually do the things you want, then something's not right. Like you have to look at that first. And so I also have an opinion about hiring VAs versus experts too, as well. Oh, tell us, tell us. Oh yeah. Give us your- <laughs> <laughs> like it's, I hate that everybody says like the first of hire you need to make is like a VA. Well, what does a VA even mean? Right? It just means virtual assistant. So at the end of the day, get rid of the word assistance. Like what do you need help with? And so you have to get really clear with that, but not everybody is meant to hire an assistant first. So there's two routes you can go. You can hire help, which is somebody that pretty much will implement and execute your strategy, what you need. Or you hire experts who come in and have the strategy and the field of expertise and also maybe help you implement as well. Because like, for instance, a lot of visionaries or CEOs hire Business Laid Bear because they don't have the expertise, the skill set, the time, whatever it is you want to say to implement the operations they know they need. And delegating Mm -hmm. that to a VA might not work because when you say, go create systems for this or go create SOPs, it's like, or standard operating procedures, it's kind of like a 50-50 coin toss as to whether it'll be successful or not. So it's like, depending on what your skill set is, hire for, if you know, you only, if you need strategy, hire an expert. If you need help, or if you already have the strategy, hire that VA to help you execute. But you have to know without a shadow of a doubt. It's like brains versus hands, right? Do you need, and I literally see this all the time. I literally sent someone to you like a week ago because I was like, you're trying to get your VA to be like an operations manager and it's not going to happen. <laughs> like you don't have, you don't have the system. So if you're listening to this and you're just like overwhelmed and you're drowning, you know, you might need someone to come in and say, like, give you the life raft, right? And then say, okay, let's see, like, where are you in the water, right? Let's see what the wa- where where are the waters of your business flowing, and what direction do we need to to go in? And um, I wish more people would do that. Like, I want to get that message out. It's not always about just like hiring a pair of hands, especially if you don't have the systems and the documentation to support letting them actually do their job. And so I do I not believe you- that you should hire for like three dollars an hour. VAs because that just doesn't sit right. And I'm sure that we could go off on a tangent about that, but I should just, I should just say that like, it doesn't sit right with me. And even if I did hire somebody for like from the Philippines, I would actually pay them what I would pay somebody in the U S because that's what feels right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my operations manager is from the Philippines. And I specifically said I wanted somebody like in, you know, within sort of like three or four time zones, just because I know in that role, it's like, I really have to bond with that person. And so of course, you know, the the best candidate by far (laughs) was in the Philippines. Um, But it it totally works. Like she's amazing. And I actually have to kind of fend off my business buddies. They're like, we want to care. And I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> I will pay you for it. <laughs> Pretty much. I will bring um, my toys. <laughs> so I want to talk about why business owners resist this so much because oh, I yes. feel like I talk to every week people who are literally drowning in their business. They're complaining about all the shit they have to do in their business that they hate doing or that they're terrible at. They're complaining about how much they work. They're complaining about not having enough time to spend. And then you talk, you start talking systems and like people's eyes glaze over. Why do you think that is? And and okay. how can you help people reframe this? So before I answer, I'm curious as to compare notes. Have you ever asked people why they're resistant to systems? Uh, I have. And the, the um, answer that I get the most is that they don't think that way, right? So it's just completely foreign to them. They can't, they can't even conceptualize how it's going to happen in their business because they don't think that way. Um, and the other thing is they think that they're going to have to create like SOPs, you know, and they'd rather, they'd rather cut off their thumbs than have to create an (laughs) SOP. I think those are the two big ones. (laughs) No, I mean, totally fair. Like there are things that I think about, like as small as like looking for stock photos for stuff. (laughs) like I would rather just like claw my eyes out than to go to another site to look for stock photos. So we all have our thing. And I love how you touched upon like people don't think that way because like I told you before our episode started, it's like, I never knew people didn't think like, I always thought uh, everybody thought the way that I thought, like it was logical. Like you have to think in like (laughs) sequential order. Like you don't just like start your laundry on the dryer and then go to the washer and then maybe go back to the dryer. Right. So there's always like a logical way of doing something. And this might be my like control or the need for control to come in. So you're like getting insight into like who I am, but yes, I've realized that some people just don't think this way. And that's, okay, that's why you hire people like us who do, because then you don't have to claw your eyes out. Um, When you don't do things that align with your expertise, it's really exhausting, really draining. And like the number one cause for being a procrastinator, right? Because it just gets Mm -hmm. pushed down to the bottom of your list. So for me though, uh, most people say that they hate systems and it doesn't jive with them is because one, they're so boring. And two, Mm -hmm. it reminds them of, corporate jargon, like their corporate Mm. days, like the PTSD that you were talking about. Yeah. And I'm like, but actually you kind of want to strive to be like a corporate business because corporate means stability. Okay. I can't English, but yeah, corporate means stability. (laughs) And I'm like, who wouldn't want to know that there's paycheck after paycheck or revenue after revenue coming in month after month. But the reason why corporate is so sustainable Okay, asterisks because I've had a lot more corporate companies reach out and they're kind of a hot mess themselves because everybody's <laughs> a hot mess. Is that they have systems, they have procedures, they have a way of doing something that's like wash, rinse, repeat. And you know that if you follow these instructions almost to the T, you'll get the results 
every time, just like if you're doing laundry. Like I love using laundry as like systems examples because it's like we all know it, we all do it, and we all know the steps. And it's like if you were tired of doing laundry, you could have like your kid do it or somebody else do it and make sure you give them the right instructions. But pretty much systems are like that. It allows you to be consistent and predictable and it minimizes your cognitive bandwidth and like need to like think so much when something should be as easy as like the back of your hand. Yeah. And I'm always um, encouraging my clients, even if they don't have team, like I started writing SOPs when it was just me, because guess what? Future me doesn't know what the hell past me was doing most of the time. (laughs) Like what, what, why was it, what was I doing? Or there's things I only do quarterly in my business or yearly. And I'm like, yeah, how do I do that? And so I just write it down and, or make a video and, you know, and then I'm thankful to past me. I always say documentation is like a love letter to your future self. I love that so much. I, can I steal that and quote you? Can you? absolutely steal it. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. So um, I did the same thing too. And if I was to group things like priority of systems, I would think that the number one thing would be your moneymaker, right? Revenue, consistent revenue is important. So it's like, what is it that you do? that makes you money, whether you're Mm -hmm. selling products or you're selling services or whatever it is. It's like, what is a system that you can follow so that the end results is pretty predictable and how much revenue you can like bring in so that your business is sustainable. And then like the other one is about making sure that the people that pay you are happy. So an immediate example is like client onboarding. That's like one of my favorite experiences. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Look at that. It's like this little ramp into your business that you want just people to like slide in and be like, like a water slice here. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So yeah. What were you going to say about onboarding? It's like, imagine just paying somebody and then you're like, okay, this person's already like going to transform whatever it is I'm needing to transform. And then like they blow you out of the water before they even work with you. And it showcases your professionalism. It showcases that you know what you're doing and that that creates immediate trust. And then Mm -hmm. that creates a great experience. You start off on the right foot and then guess what? You go raving to your friends that you need to go hire this person because it was so amazing. So like that's one of my favorite systems to create. Yeah. And this, and a lot of people don't understand that delivery is actually part of your marketing. You know, you Mm -hmm. talk about referrals, like having a really nice onboarding process that just smooths that pathway to delivery and then, and then giving people a great experience. Like that is better marketing than any amount of Facebook ads money you can spend or YouTube ads or whatever it is, because you're going to make that person into a fan. And I have literally had clients of mine who just like, they just go on a rampage around the internet going like, Oh my God, Karana, (laughs) you know, and that's what you want. And you create that with systems so that no matter what's happening in your business, when that client comes in, they get responded to, they feel appreciated. You're answering their questions before they have a chance to ask them. Like that's what makes people increases customer lifetime value, like all of these things. Yep. Yeah. You're speaking my language. Okay. So I have a fun story to share just really quick. Oh yes. So I put in client onboarding systems 
for my friend Courtney, who used to run a Facebook ads agency. Like she's now doing something else with somebody else in the Facebook ads world. But what she told me was because we were able to make small tweaks, like I literally spent like an hour or two doing this and I get it. I'm getting paid for my experience, not how long I take to do something. So take that with a grain of salt. But like, I think a few days later, she's like, I onboarded a new client and he was so impressed with the entire experience and how professional it was that he bought the next highest offering. So he went in at like almost, almost like an entry level price point. And then he's like, okay, no, I want done for you ads because like, she's legit. Yeah. And I'm like, he's like, oh, I thought I was walking into, you know, the holiday inn. And then I discovered I was really at the Ritz and let me just pay up for that. Yeah. Oh, that's so so, like, that's such yes. a good story. <laughs> so these are, these are the reasons why get excited. People get excited about this. Um, okay. So what is some commonly held wisdom in your, in your industry or sphere of work that you think is just total bullshit? Okay. I got it. So number one, the thing that drives me up the wall is when somebody asks for what their, someone's favorite system is, they immediately go to an app. What's your favorite system for X, Y, Z, or like, let's talk about project management because you and I love talking about project management apps. (laughs) Then they'll immediately say, Oh, like Asana or Trello or ClickUp team, ClickUp or Basecamp, Airtable. We can go on and on and on. But what drives me nuts is that for a good system to work, the app is only the tip of the iceberg. And so if you imagine like a triangle and the apps are just the tip, it's like most people focus on only the apps. And so you're inverting that triangle and you're trying to like make, you're trying to leap off of like a point. You're trying to build foundation on the tip of a triangle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's what (laughs) happens because people love social proof. They love referrals, right? So like if this three friends say they love a certain app and you trust those friends because maybe they don't know any better, then why, why wouldn't I do, why would I not sign up for that app? And what happens Mm. is that you're forced to contort yourself to perhaps the limitations of the app rather than finding what you need and figuring out the strategy for yourself and then making apps fit you. So therefore, if it fits you really well, you don't need to app jump so much and app switch because that takes a lot of time. And if an app decides to go belly up or is purchased by a company that you just absolutely hate, you get to take your strategy and apply it to any other software that you find because you the apps are what catalyzes your need, your system. Mm -hmm. So that's one of them. Stop looking at the apps. (laughs) (laughs) Get some pen and paper and figure out what your process is. Seriously. Or like even how you think. So I am such like a visual person. So for me, part of my project management strategy is I need Trello looking cards. Kanban is the way to go. It's just how I think. Like I think with physical post-it notes because of my design background. So it's like, how do I get that visual? Even changing something to like list view. So think like Asana, even Mm -hmm. though Asana has Trello or like board view now, but it's just like, it doesn't work for me. It's the exact same information, but presented a little bit different. And I'm like confused and it takes me that much longer (laughs) to reorient myself. And so when something is aligned with you so well, it's like, oh, I don't even have to think about it. Again, not expending unneeded cognitive bandwidth or like pressure or weight on you. And so that you can actually do things. Yeah. Do you remember the second thing? Yes. 
I totally do. So like, let me just be really honest. Operations get a terrible rap. Seriously though, like we are like the second child. Which one's the <laughs> child that gets left behind or gets forgotten? The middle child? The middle, the middle one maybe? Maybe. I don't know. So it's I like the middle. The biggest so and I say this because so many people when they teach business, they teach marketing, they teach branding, they teach build a beautiful website. I saw your post earlier about not building a custom website. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And guess who gets left out? Operations. Like marketing and branding and website building are like the favorite mm-hmm. childs, the favorite children. Yep. And sales. Yeah. And sales. Well, sales is interesting because some people hate being salesy or like, you know, right. baggage. But everybody knows they have to. So they might not like it. But yeah. And as you're talking, my wife is a nurse and that reminds me of like nurses, right? Like without nurses... <laughs> Every hospital would just grind to a complete halt. Yep, absolutely. Like, we know this, right? <laughs> and it's the same with operations. It's like, and how do you think shit's going to get done? It's going to be done with operations. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, Aladdin's not here. <laughs> so what happens is I always ask people, like, if branding and marketing is so important and you need to have this, like, beautiful, like, site with parallax images. Oh <laughs> Okay. I had this conversation with somebody. They're like, my image is not parallaxing correctly. And I'm like, why? Why do you care? But anyways, <laughs> it's like marketing and sales and branding are going to bring clients to your door. Operations are what allows you to serve them with integrity and ease and also sanity for yourself. But people don't think about that. They just want to bring in the customers. And what happens when like 20 people come knocking on your door tomorrow? How many people are mm-hmm. you going to turn away? Most likely yep. like 15 plus people, because if you don't have systems, you can't onboard and bring on all those people without driving yourself nuts. And the craziest irony is most business owners, their top goal is to generate more money. And look how many customers you've just turned away because you don't have the right systems. So yeah, a hundred percent. All right. So one more thing I want to dive into before we wrap up, and that is Um, You and I are both in the Portland metro area. We just had a huge snow and ice storm that lasted like the better part of a week. Thousands and thousands of people lost power, myself included. Did did you keep your power? We did. We were lucky. Okay, that's good. Um, And that led me to thinking about disaster prep because I came home from a weekend away, had like a few hours of power and then 1.30 in the morning, like, boom, there was mm-hmm. nothing. And there was no cell service. And so we couldn't, I couldn't even get a message to my team because I could, I could barely get text messages, mm-hmm. you know, to my wife who was in the house with Crazy. me. Um, and I couldn't access any apps or anything with my phone even. So talk about disaster prep and like, what do you, what kinds of things would you recommend that people have in place if like shit goes down and you can't, you just can't work all of a sudden? To me, it's always about what's the most minimum viable thing. So in the design world that we call those MVPs, like minimum viable product, like what's the most minimum thing you need to like get your stuff working or out there for feedback. And so it's the same concept here in your business. Like if the powers went out, the power went out tomorrow, what was, what's the most minimum viable thing you need for your business to continue operating without you stressing out? Granted, you're going to stress out because you know, you're in a disaster. But if it's hard to think about disaster prep, um, you can reframe it as like vacation proofing your business. 
So like, Ooh, if, like that. if you wanted to go on vacation for a week, or if you were going to, when we can go to a conference and you want to focus on being at social media marketing world and networking and all that good stuff. And like, it's for three days. Do you have the confidence to leave your team to do things for you for three days while you're present and focused on what you need to do? Or are you constantly like checking email or answering questions from your team, right? So whether it's disaster preparedness or vacation proofing your business, or I talk about the importance of systems for your mental health, because I have had clients who have had depression or anxiety, ADD, ADHD. It's like, how do you keep a business functioning while you have to deal or be away from it? So like if you suddenly are like having crippling anxiety or like you're out of spoons and you can't operate your business, you don't want your business to fail because you couldn't touch it or do something with it. It has to be independent of you. So operations for me are all about taking action. So how can your business or your team take action on your behalf? Like that is the most minimum thing you need to answer. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was such I love a that. long I'm sentence. Always, <laughs> no, it's good. I'm always saying like the difference between being, you know, sort of a solopreneur or a freelancer in a business is that a business is a system. It's a system that creates revenue lit without your input, like that you don't have to be there. And, you know, we had the disaster prep thing and, and I actually went on vacation maybe three weeks ago um, for most of the week and I didn't really check in. In fact, I forgot that I, on Wednesdays I have my coaching call with my clients. This is normally the best hour of my work week. I forgot it was Wednesday and I saw, (laughs) I happened to see, you know, like something that uh, my assistant posted. She was posting like Bernie memes on our Instagram and stuff. And I was like, cool. I like got to enjoy it as a spectator. <laughs> um, so, and while I was on vacation, actually one of my friends decided, oh, she was going to get serious about her business and she needed a website. And I was getting these notifications because she's like, oh, I'm watching your webinar. It's really great. I'm like, I don't even, what, where did you find a <laughs> webinar? I'm not even promoting a webinar right now. Like she had gone through all these past emails and like found all of these resources and then bought the thing that she needed and made her website and like launched it yesterday. That's amazing. <laughs> I, had, I like, love that. I had, yeah. I had like nothing to do. She called me at the very last second was like, I can't figure out how to launch it even with its instructions. And so I was like, right. okay, let's hop on and, and do that. But like, that was like, you know, one tenth of 1% to get her like the last mile, but all of that rest of that was just without my intervention and I was a spectator. So I was just like, that was just such a winning moment for me. I love that. I want to celebrate that because how many people can actually say that in a wake of a crazy disaster that they're actually making money and we can look at COVID when COVID struck, like everything like shut down. And I'm grateful that I started out as a remote business, but even if I didn't, it's like, you'd have to lean on good principles like communication. So regardless of you're working mm-hmm. remote or in person, it's like communication is important. So maybe add that to the maintenance plan. What can you do to prep your team or for your business, whether that be like automations and such, or even just like telling clients, Hey, I'm screwed right now. So if you could be patient, that would be great. And Nine times out of 10, if you have amazing clients, it's 
going to be fine. Like if they say, no, you have to do something, then it's time to like reevaluate your clients. Yeah. Probably time to get better clients. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that I'm going to add to our systems is just those just in case emails, because I was legit. Like the -hmm. thing that I stressed the most about was that my phone didn't work. And so I was like, my team just thinks I'm like sleeping in until (laughs) one o'clock, you know, like I was like, you guys, I'm not really fucking around. I just can't do anything. And so once I finally got that mess, I had to, I think I texted my sister and I gave her the text of an email and I was like, send this to this address, you know? (laughs) So, and I think that's what I'm going to put in is if you don't hear from me, you know, in this amount of time, something's happening. And also like pre-write the the emails to the clients of like, that's hey, a brilliant this is what's, suggestion. This is what's going. On. I'm all I'm all about like pre-writing content for every situation. Same. So I have like, so those many are just some things. Responses. Yeah, because canned responses why, are why I keep having to write it over and over. So, admittedly, yeah. I do not have a hey, I'm in like a disaster or whatever. I, like I have a I'm going on vacation on this date, so let's prep for it. Like. I'm planning to live in Hawaii for a month and work mm, from nice. here. So it's like, even though I'm working, the time zone is going to be way different because it's two hours behind Pacific time and we're already behind. And most of my clients are on the East coast anyway. So it's like, how do I now modify that to be like, if you ever don't hear from me team, maybe check the weather. But like, if you don't hear from me, I literally am not trying to like goof off because they should all know like our work ethic yeah, unless we're yeah, like, exactly. Like, we're good at communicating. Like consent, candor, and communication are important to BDSM. And <laughs> so, you know, so much kink that just goes so well with operations. <laughs> yes. Um, I started a um I started a new section of our team meeting, our weekly team meeting called WWKD. What would Karanda do? Because I think I think a large part of the reason that people have so much trouble delegating is they think they're not going to do it like I do it. Mm-hmm. And for one Absolutely. thing, they might do it better than you do it. Yep. <laughs> right. But you have certain standards and there's like, there's things that I see that, that drive me a little batty that I know other people may or may not see. And so I just collected like a few examples of those. And I was like, Hey y'all, just so you know, these are the kind of things that drive me a little, a little wacko. And if you see something like this, fix it. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, and so I'm just going to, I might not do it every week, but I'm going to keep doing that because that's the that's thing. So like the important. more you, the more you trust that your team knows what you would do, you know, in a situation or not even what you would do specifically, but what your values are, like what's important, the more you can really step away and trust and leave things to them. And that's going to give you freedom and sleep and all those good things. I love that. So two things for me, I also do something similar, but we call those retrospectives. My partner is like a software developer engineer. So he's like giving me all these terms. And so, but like a retrospective is a really easy way to check in with your team in a really candid way because you leave ego at the door and you literally ask them like, one, what's going well Two, what's not going well or what could be better. However you want to phrase it. Three, what have you learned? And four, what's one thing that you're going to do differently next time so that the next retrospective, the next time we meet is going to be better than the one today. Just one thing. Yeah. And so by leaving it that open-ended, whatever like they think about first or like say first, it's usually that's what's most important because it's top of mind. And so Mm -hmm. when you're like, what's not going well? And they just start talking about like payroll or something, then you know, oh, it's probably been on their mind for a little bit because they immediately were like this. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so good. This has been so amazing. I hope people are like taking notes and just like soaking up these gems as we're dropping them. Um, the last thing I always like to ask is because, because of our theme here, um, as it relates to systems and processes and, and getting things right, you know, getting these things going in their business, what's your opinion about how should, how can people begin as they mean to go on with this if they're at the beginning of their journey? I love this question because there's so many ways in which you can answer. This is such a beautiful podcast title. And let me just say this. If you're unsure about systems or creating processes because of all like the ick factors or like you don't think this way, ask yourself, what does success look like regarding client work, regarding graphics, whatever it may be? Because if you can give yourself like a North star, like success looks like all of my clients' social media graphics are created for the month. And before the month starts, it's put in some folder like two days before. I'm just pulling things out of my ass. Again, more butts. And (laughs) the reason why I say this is because this is the beginning of you creating your systems without ever having to feel like you have to like ick it out. You're literally asking, what does success look like? And you write down those boundaries, those expectations, those desires, and then you slowly like form a roadmap to make it work. So if my goal is to get all of my clients' stuff done two days before, and I'm starting out today with no graphics and it needs to be like 30 graphics, you kind of like fill in the map a little bit and you just do it in a way that feels good to you because you are creating your own love letter. As you said, Karan, I fucking mm-hmm. love that so much. <laughs> and yeah. And also not only does what success look like is important, but like what feels good to you? Mm-hmm. Like it's about like operations is so much about pleasure because we're not AI robots operating our business. We're humans who are complex, emotional, multifaceted beings that run and live the way they do. So operations should be really, really humanized. So that's why like putting people first is like my first pillar of my orgasmic operations framework, because without people, there would be no humanity and it just wouldn't make sense. Yes. And corporations are in fact, not people. (laughs) Yeah. So to answer your question, just like ask yourself the simple question, what does success look like when it comes to blank? And that's how you begin. You set, you, you start off on a really good foot and you just work backwards. Like I think as business owners, as much as we freak out and as much as I cry at the end of the day, we wouldn't be business owners and we wouldn't know each other if we were the type of people that were to give up. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like you work the problem. Do you believe in your vision enough to work the problem, solve it? And if you can't solve it, go to people who can solve it for you so that you can actualize and realize your legacy. Awesome. Perfect segue to my next question, which is now that the people are clamoring to get their operations in order, tell us where they can find you and follow you and all the places. And you have your own awesome podcast. So um, where can we find you? Yes. So you can find me at businesslaidbear.com, which I'm sure I've given you the URL. And then on Instagram, you can also go to at businesslaidbear for the agencies like Instagram. I wanted to separate mine out because I just want to post like my dog and like selfies. (laughs) So you can find me at Veronica Yawns and that's pretty much all I, yeah. So just go to my website. um, And if you want to work with me, there is a book, a consult call button, because like I said, 
meeting people and getting to know people before they pay me is super important. So like, I actually don't want people to just buy before I meet them. Is that kind of weird? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's smart. <laughs> so, when you have, especially when it's relationship driven, you have to. Yeah, it's so relationship driven. And then my podcast is the business whip. So it's like tips, oh mindset shifts, and interviews on how to build a pleasurable, productive, and profitable business. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was delightful. I loved every second of it. And we'll put all your links in the show notes. And uh, I hope that loads of people come clamoring to you to fix this. All right. Thanks, everyone. Um, So now is the time when if it's your first time with us, um, now's when I'm going to invite you to go ahead and subscribe and leave that five star rating and review and help us get the word out to more business owners. And I also want you to think about who needs to hear this, right? I know that right now there's someone in your mind who's that sort of harried, overwhelmed business owner who thinks processes are unsexy um, and you need to go share this episode with them and bring them to the light, okay? And they will thank you for it. So, um, (laughs) all right, that's our episode today. And until next time, don't forget to begin as you mean to go on. Hey, y'all. Mini Bootcamp is back. I know you're thinking, what is Mini Bootcamp? Well, a couple of years ago, when I first started Bootcamp, I knew how impactful this could be for people if they would just get over the hump and get inside the program. And I knew that the investment was a barrier for a lot of folks who were very, very interested. And so Mini Bootcamp is a slice of our full content bootcamp program. The full program is 12 weeks, mini bootcamp is four weeks. Aside from the time difference, there's no difference whatsoever between mini bootcamp and full bootcamp. So when you come in, you get the same onboarding, you get the same one-on-one attention from me, you get the same worksheets and access to our recorded lessons for four weeks. And if you come in and you apply yourself, there's a lot of momentum you can generate and a lot of wins you can have in four weeks. But the catch is, There's no pressure to continue. If you come in and you decide that it's not for you at the end of four weeks, no harm, no foul, you can go on your way. And if you come in and you apply yourself and you do great and you want to continue, then obviously you are eligible to upgrade into our full bootcamp program and continue for the full 12 weeks. But you're not obligated to do so. And I know that if investment is is an issue, then having that pressure release from, you know, maybe you can make that first payment, but you're not sure where that second or third payment is coming from. Believe me, I have been there. So if this helps you get over the edge, I want to get you on the inside because our clients are having wins and breakthroughs every single week. I know that there are a lot of folks looking at this program that we could make a really big impact in your business in a short time if you just get on the inside. So hopefully this helps push you over the edge. And if you want to take advantage of this opportunity, it's not going to last forever and it's not going to be for everyone. So I'm opening up 12 spots for this and when they're gone, they're gone. So if this is something you're interested in, go to carveldigital.com mini and get all the details on how you can take advantage of this awesome opportunity. I really hope to see you on the inside. I'll talk to you soon.